Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hey everybody, what's up and welcome into Best on the Board. It is Tuesday, September 7th, and you know what that means. Week one of the NFL season is here. It has arrived 48 hours from now. We will be talking NFL game day when the Cowboys and Buccaneers kick things off for the 2021 season. Michael Beller and Andrew DeWitt here with you on this episode of Best on the Board. We're pushed back a day from when we normally uh, are out. We're normally coming to you on Mondays with the holiday. However, we push this back to Tuesday and give you a quick reminder of what we're going to do on Mondays. DeWitt and I are going to get together every Monday and we're going to look at the lines as early as we possibly can for the week ahead. Try to jump on things we like before the market shifts on them. So even though we're a day later than usual, that's still what we're going to do here on this episode. DeWitt, we have made it week one. What's going on, man? Oh man, I'm just ready for some NFL. I, you know, it's the offseason is way too long between NFL and just getting the game, the college football going last weekend. It was great. A little tease. I'm just excited to have NFL this weekend. Fantasy, see how, our, how well we did in our drafts or, you know, fantasy <laughs> drafts or how poorly we did. Uh-huh. Player props coming out here soon. Just really excited to get going with football season. I am right there with you, man. I mean, I love them both. I love NFL. I love college. I'm a little bit more of an NFL guy, though. So last week felt like an appetizer for the main course that is arriving here uh, this week with Thursday, with Sunday, with uh, some Monday night football as well. And we're going to talk about some of those games here on this episode of Best on the Board. So this is going to be a little different, right? This this is going to be the one episode that's a little different because these lines have been out for, what, three months or something like that. So a lot of the market shifting has happened already from when these first were posted up through the preseason and to where we now sit on today, Tuesday, September 7th. But usually when we get together on Mondays, we're going to be jumping on those lines quickly before the market changes on them. Let's talk through the bets that we like right here on Tuesday, five, six days before these games really kick off. We're going to go to one that you like first. We've got the Broncos and the Giants getting together in week one. Broncos are two and a half point favorites in New York taking on the Giants. Give us who you like here and give us your reasoning for it. I'm backing the Broncos at two, minus two and a half here. My reasoning here is, you know, Daniel Jones is in this final contract year. He's eight and 18 as a starter. I think we know what Daniel Jones is as a starting quarterback right now. You know, there's tons of injury concerns here for the Giants. Saquon Barkley coming back from his knee injury last year that was really scary. You know, Kenny Galladay, their big wide receiver acquisition from the Lions. You know, he hasn't played at all in the preseason. I think there's just lots of concerns around the Giants right now, their health of their team. Whereas the Broncos, I think they're going to be excited as a team coming into this. They, you know, replaced Drew Locke with Teddy Bridgewater as a starting quarterback. Their defense is pretty solid. I just see the Broncos as a good play here in week one going to the East Coast. I have no concerns about the travel time. This is a 4.05 p.m. kickoff for the Broncos, so they shouldn't have any big differences. It's only a two-hour difference between Colorado and New York. So I just see this as a good 
spot for the Broncos in week one. If this game was played, you know, five, six, seven weeks down the line, seeing how the, you know, the Giants are healthy, I might not agree with that. But I just think there's a good spot for the Broncos on the road here. Yeah, I think this is a good spot for the Broncos, too. It's one I could certainly see myself betting. It's definitely one I will be picking in my Super Contest pools where you have to pick your five favorite games against the spread. This will definitely qualify as that. As you and I sit here on Tuesday, I'm not quite ready to say that I am going to have money out of my wallet on this one, but it is one that I am leaning toward Denver in for a lot of the reasons that you state. And I also like what Denver's defense can do getting after that Giants offensive line. We know this is going to be a line that, you know, right now, if you told uh, if you told the Giants, if you told Joe Judge, I will give you league average offensive line play, or you can roll the dice and maybe you get the top five offensive line. He's taking that league average offensive line play with what we've seen from this team in the preseason. So I think the Giants, or excuse me, the Broncos defense can really make uh, make life tough on that line, make life tough on Daniel Jones, and it's already going to be tough on Daniel Jones. Do we see, even if Saquon Barkley is, you know, on the track that the Giants expect him to be on, do we see a fully formed, fully unleashed Saquon Barkley this week? I tend to doubt it. So you're already talking about him being, you know, not quite the touch level that you would expect from him. Kenny Galladay, we haven't seen all summer. We have no idea what to expect from him if he's even going to play in this game. And you're just talking about an already bad Giants team that is hamstrung almost certainly by some injury issues. So I like that. And I'm excited to see what maybe we get out of Denver's offense in the first game uh, of the Teddy Bridgewater era. We know there's a lot of interesting pieces around him. You had Javante Williams, you get Corlin Sutton, back healthy. Jerry Judy can be used in a way that just wasn't possible in his rookie season. It could be a very fun offense. I'm excited to see what they do here in the first week. Any expectations for that Broncos offense? Talk most about the the Giants offense. What do you think about the Broncos offense coming into this one? I mean, I'm excited just to see Teddy Bridgewater, Jerry Judy, like you mentioned, you know, Cortland Sutton coming back from an injury. I think they can all be really good, exciting players on the offensive side, especially from like a fantasy point of view. And let's see what happens. I mean, I just see the Broncos kind of getting after it here and pushing the pace in this game as well, just wanting to take it to the Giants right away. And unlike Saquon Barkley, we did see Cortland Sutton in his return from an ACL injury. Do what you want to see from a guy in that final game the Broncos played in the preseason. Ran a ton of routes, came in and out of breaks, was cutting on that surgically repaired knee, and looked like the same guy pre-injury. So very good to see that. Really no reason to expect Cortland Sutton to be anything less than 100% when the Broncos take the field on Sunday. For my first bet, I'm going to turn to Monday Night Football, actually, DeWitt, and we've got the Ravens going to Vegas to take on the Raiders. The Ravens are four-and-a-half-point favorites in this game in Las Vegas, and this is another one to me that feels soft based on the fact that it's week one. I think if these two teams get together in week eight, we're talking about an eight-and-a-half-point spread, even with Baltimore being on the road. This just feels like a game in which the proper measure has not been taken of either team. And you look at one end, Baltimore, even with some of the deficiencies that they have on the offensive side of the ball and the injuries, right? No J.K. Dobbins. Marquise Brown has been banged up in the summer. Rashad Bateman, their first round pick was someone we thought could make an impact right off the bat. He's going to miss at least the first month of the season. So they have the injury questions of their own, but still the baseline of what this Baltimore offense is, is based on Lamar Jackson and running the football. And we know that Gus Edwards can be not quite the fully-fledged weapon that uh, J.K. Dobbins is, especially in the passing game, but he can do almost everything that Dobbins can do in the run game. And so while Dobbins' injury is a big loss for this team, it's not something that totally saps the offense. It's not like you take J.K. Dobbins and replace him 
with nothing. I don't think it's even as extreme a downgrade that we're going to see from the Rams going from Cam Akers to Daryl Henderson. I think the J.K. Dobbins to Gus Edwards move is a little bit more lateral. And so I think that this Ravens offense comes into this game still basically exactly what we expect of them. And yeah, I just don't see enough from uh, Vegas, almost called them Oakland, don't see enough from Vegas uh, on the defensive side of the ball to think that they're going to be able to slow Baltimore down. So now it's talk. It's all about can Las Vegas keep up with Baltimore's offense in this one. And I actually do think there are some nice pieces. I think there's something fun to watch about this Raiders team with uh, Henry Ruggs in his second season, with Brian Edwards in his second season. I think there's something here that this offense could be a little bit more dangerous down the field than it was a year ago. But I just don't think this is one where they're going to be able to keep up back and forth, back and forth, back and forth with the Ravens. So I look at this as a four and a half point line. Be a little bit tricky of a number sometimes coming in at four and a half or five and a half, but this ultimately comes down to not wanting to overthink it and knowing for sure that the Ravens are comfortably the better team in this game. And I think we see a correction on both of these teams as we get into week two. Really like the Ravens here laying the four and a half. I feel pretty comfortable that they end up winning this game by a touchdown. Do you think that this is a spread that should be bigger, but we're thinking about how the Ravens lost to the Bills in the playoffs last year? Yeah, I, I, you know, I honestly do. And I think that that's something that sticks in the mind of a lot of people, actually, is that, you know, the Ravens have had dominant regular seasons or something approaching dominant regular seasons each of the last two years. Two years ago, certainly was dominant. Last year, not quite the level of regular season football that we saw from them in 2019, but still very, very good regular season football. And then you look at what happened to them in the playoffs, right? And they go down in each of their first two games uh, in the playoffs the last couple of seasons. So I think that we could see, you know, the Ravens as a team that needs to figure out something differently if they are going to get beyond the first game in the playoffs this year. I I think that that's definitely a fair criticism of this team because not only have we seen them go out in the first round or in their first game played in the playoffs both of the last two seasons, uh, but the offense was completely shut down in both of those games. So I do think it's a fair criticism of this Ravens team to say they need to do something a little bit different when they go to the playoffs. When they get to the playoffs, there needs to be a new wrinkle, and it's a new wrinkle that we need to see during the regular season to feel good about them going into the postseason. I think that's why we heard all the talk about Lamar Jackson taking more snaps from under center this season. It's why they used the first-round pick on Rashad Bateman, who hopefully can be someone who we're talking about in November and December, eventually making an impact for this team. They are very aware that they need to make those changes. So I think that's a fair criticism of the Ravens writ large. Do I think it has an effect on them uh, on the road against the Raiders in Week 1? I'm not so sure that's going to be the case. And so that's why I feel comfortable, and maybe we are getting maybe a half a point or a point for free here because of the perception of the Ravens not being at the Chiefs level or the Bills level, maybe even at the Browns level, the Packers level. Maybe they're not uh, playing in that stratosphere entering the season, and that helps us get what feels like a little bit more friendly of a number. If that's the case to it, I'm happy to take it because I do think that this just does not reflect the gap between these two teams, the four and a half that you're seeing up on the screen. Give me the Ravens. Give me the Ravens with a ton of confidence in that one. I was going to say, one thing I like about the Ravens is, you know, this line, it has a, we're six days away from this game. I can see this line moving to five, five and a half, or maybe even six, depending where the money comes in. Because like you said, people know, like the sharp betters are not big fans of the Raiders right now, even at home, even on Monday Night Football. So. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
on your happy price, price line. Let's jump into our second bets a piece here, and we're going to go to what's probably the biggest game on the slate in week one. Sure, you could say Cowboys Buccaneers, that's one of the biggest games on the slate, but you know, no one would be surprised if we're talking about the Browns and the Chiefs as the AFC championship game this season. You've got to play from it. I'm gonna be honest. I love this bet. I want to make it myself. I'm going to make it myself, but you brought it up first, so I can't steal it from you for show purposes. Give us your favorite play in this Browns Chiefs game. I really like the under 25 and a half in the first half. And there's a couple of reasons here. This is a big revenge game for the Browns. Don't forget they lost. This is where they lost at Arrowhead last year um, in the, the divisional round. They, they felt like they should have won that game. A lot of, you know, the Browns players legitimately after the season talked about, you know, how they felt they should have won that game. That's the game where Mahomes got injured, got concussed. They, the offense had Baker Mayfield had a chance to drive and the Chiefs forced a three and out and kind of shut him down, somehow won that game and then eventually made it to the Super Bowl. From, from a Browns point of view, I think they can control the clock with the running game. They really want to slow this game down. They don't want to give Mahomes and his offensive weapons a chance to turn this into a shootout. Eventually, I think this game does turn into a shootout in the second half with both teams going back and forth. But in the first half, I see the Browns trying to control the clock and really try and dictate the pace and frustrate the Chiefs offense and not get things going because they're a momentum team. Once the Chiefs offense kind of gets going, it seems like the team feeds off of that, including the defense. And then it kind of goes downhill for teams once the Chiefs start scoring. So I think the Browns will try and control the clock in the first half, try and slow the game down. And then, you know, eventually Mahomes may take over in the second half. Sometimes that happens, especially it I mean, a lot of this could come down to like who wins the coin toss. You know, if the Browns get the ball first, they have like a 10, 11, 12, 13 play drive. I could see that happening. The Chiefs have some linebacker issues with Willie Gay out with an injury. He's on injured reserve. Nick Bolton, their, their second round draft pick. He's actually listed second on their depth chart right now, which is kind of concerning to me. Um, I just see like the Browns being able to run the ball, control the clock. And then, you know, eventually, you know, Mahomes and Mayfield maybe go back and forth. But this is like an under for me in the first half for sure. It's that last point you made that really has me liking this bet, and I think I like the under for the entire game, too. That right now at BetMGM is sitting at 53. It's one thing to say we want to slow the game down against the Chiefs. Almost every team in the NFL is going to want to slow it down. Buffalo, they're happy to try to keep pace with them. I think the Titans will be happy to try to keep pace with the Chiefs. Most every team, though, is going to want to slow things down against the Chiefs. It's one thing to say that's what we're going to do. It's one thing to practice that all week. It's another thing completely to be able to go out and do it. And the Browns are one of the teams that is equipped to go out and do it, especially with those linebacker issues that you mentioned. No one would be surprised if we're talking about a 150-yard and two-touchdown game out of Nick Chubb. I mean, he is is maybe the perfect built running back to be on a slow-it-down team, right? It's him and Derrick Henry. He and Derrick Henry can control paces, backs, really no other way that an other back can do in the league. And then the Browns have the offensive line to do it. The Browns have that mauling offensive line that can really let them play their game. So even if the Chiefs are answering, even if Patrick Mahomes is answering things on the other side, I think we can feel good about what the Browns offense brings to the table in a game that they're going to want to slow things down, keep things under control, maybe hit some big plays uh, on play action to Odell Beckham. But I do think that the Browns are built to win a game like this, or to at least keep a game close in the fashion that they want to keep it close. So that's why I lead to an under. I still think the Chiefs win this game. Chiefs are six-point favorites. If I was going to bet one side, I would probably lean toward the Chiefs. But I do think that this is more of like a 24-17 to sort of touchdown victory for the Chiefs rather than a 34-27, to just because the Browns know what they want to do and they have the personnel to be able to execute that, even if Mahomes is doing Mahomes things on the other side of the ball. So 
We're going to disagree. We are definitely going to find some disagreement on this show. But right now, the two picks you've got for this week, Broncos minus two and a half at the Giants, Browns Chiefs under 25 and a half in the first half. Those are two bets that I can get on board with, certainly. I'm going to turn it to the other side here. I'm going to let the fireworks fly for my second and final bet on this episode of Best on the Board. We've got an over-under in the Titans and Cardinals of 51.5 over at BetMGM. And these are two super fast teams. These are teams that were two of the three fastest neutral game situation teams last year in Arizona and Tennessee. And nothing about these teams has changed to the extent that they would change their strikes. Right? I guess the biggest thing that's changed with either of these teams is that Arthur Smith is no longer the offensive coordinator in Tennessee, and he's off in Atlanta running the whole show. But nothing's going to change from what Tennessee wants to do offensively. They're still going to be that same team. And if anything, maybe they get a little bit more pass-heavy with the addition of Julio Jones. I don't think that's going to be the case. But again, this was a team that, with Derrick Henry, was still able to play super fast and was an aggressive team because of everything that they do offensively, because of how efficient Ryan Tannehill has been since he took over as the starting quarterback there in 2019. So now you're talking about two teams that we expect to have league average at best defenses, and realistically, probably both of them are going to be worse. You've got two teams that can really light things up offensively. You've got two teams that want to play fast offensively. Like, neither team is going to be upset about the other team's offense playing fast insofar as the style of play. They're just going to be upset that the other team's scoring. But they're not going to be sitting there being like, oh man, they're they're playing really fast. How are we going to keep up? Like, both teams want this game to go up and down the field. Both teams are going to be very comfortable playing this game at a heightened pace. And so with all of that working, it just feels like the sort of game that should end up as a 34-30 sort of victory for either one of these teams. So I really like both of these teams to play fast. I like both of these offenses to be able to get going. And something else that you do love to win, that even without Arthur Smith there in Tennessee, the personnel is largely the same. So there's a lot of continuity. You know, we see some games early on in the season that we expect to be um, high-scoring games, but they fail to live up to the billing. This game, Even if it has that possibility, you do like the fact that both teams are bringing back largely the same personnel. So there's not a whole lot of differences going on. The summer for these two teams was about sharpening things up, not about learning new things, not about new installs. And so I think that that continuity helps both of these teams do what they want to do offensively. Really love having Kyler Murray in any sort of over bet. And so I like this one a lot. Cardinals-Titans to go over 51.5. I do think that this ultimately ends up being the highest scoring game of the weekend. I think we're going to see a lot of this game on red zone on Sunday. I mean, <laughs> like you said, these teams are just going to go back and forth. These It's an NFC-AFC matchup. So honestly, I don't think these teams, besides the win-loss, like there's not that divisional matchup. They don't know each other that well. You know, the defenses should be a little behind the offenses right now on in terms of just like getting things going. I just, yeah, I just think, and Ryan Tannehill, let's talk about him as like a, just a, a quarterback. Everyone talks about Derrick Henry and all this stuff, but I just see him being able to throw the ball with all these weapons, A.J. Brown. You know, it's just like there's so much there for him as a quarterback now that he never had in Miami. And he's shown that the last few years is like one of, he's kind of slowly becoming one of like the elite quarterbacks in the NFL. He's not putting up the explosive type numbers that we've seen from Aaron Rodgers, even what we saw from Tom Brady a season ago, from Mahomes, from uh, from Josh Allen, from Kyler Murray. On the other side of this game, his explosive numbers don't match those guys, but he is just hyper, hyper efficient. Had that monster YPA number in 2019 that was virtually unrepeatable, but then had a pretty darn good 2020 as well. So you, that efficiency on offense is really what makes this team capable to play so fast, right? They're not, they're, they're never going to be in like the yards per game leaders because of what Derrick Henry does and the fact that the possessions just get sucked out of the game 
when you lean on a back as strongly as they do. But they're so efficient in everything that they do that their yards per play numbers are through the roof. And that's why this is a fast-paced team. That's why this is a high-scoring team, even though they're such a run-heavy team because Henry himself is super efficient. And then Tannehill has brought the efficiency to a totally new level for his game over this last year and a half as the starter in Tennessee. So you've got a hyper-efficient team on one side, and then you've got the fastest pace of play team on the other side that wants to basically treat this uh, treat a, a football game like the seven seconds or less Phoenix Suns from a decade and a half ago. And so you get those two together, and I think you have a very good opportunity to get a lot of points on the board. And so that's where I'm looking here. Give me the Cardinals and Titans to go over 51 and a half. And I do think that's a number that creeps up as well as we get a little closer to Sunday. People start getting a little bit more into it. We look at these two teams like, oh, wait a minute, 51 and a half. Both these teams can get into the 30s pretty easily in this game. So I think we see this number jump up also before these two teams kick off on Sunday. That's going to do it. That's it here for Best on the Board on this Tuesday, September 7th. Again, we're going to try to get in front of these lines, help you get in front of them before they change. That's what we're aiming to do on this early week episode, and I think that's what we were uh, able to do here on today's show. Please rate, review, subscribe, all of that fun stuff, especially as we are just getting this show off the ground. Any little bit helps. So we appreciate you listening. We appreciate you watching us on YouTube. And please tell a friend while you're at it because we're going to try to have some fun here. Hopefully win some money as well. Best on the Board returns on Thursday. Me, Ari Wasserman, and Dan Santaramita talking about week two college football lines. Till then, good luck, happy betting, and we'll talk to you soon.